You're listening to Simply the Best Sports Take, the best podcast breaking down the best stuff in sports with host Sean Bingham. His takes are so good, he dropped the mic, but then you wouldn't be able to hear him, and that would suck. Welcome into STV Sports Take, Simply the Best Sports Podcast. I am your host, Sean Bingham. My hair is getting long. So long, I'm like having a hard time tucking my headphones in here. I got to like move my hair. Might be time for a trim. Um, but uh, thank you for being here. We're on YouTube, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Anchor Podcasts. Everywhere you get your podcasts, we are there. Thank you for joining us. Please hit that subscribe button. I follow the numbers. It's nice to see them just slowly climbing and climbing. So hit the subscribe button, share the podcast. Send in your takes, guys. I've mentioned this before. I haven't mentioned it in quite some time, though. But you can actually, if you look at the description, I've got a bunch of links down there. Also, as you know, I try and put the timing at which I hit different segments. So check out the description so you can skip ahead, skip back, whatever. But I would love for you guys to record your own takes. You can download the Anchor app. It's free. Um, You can click the link below where it says submit your take. And you can literally record a take and submit it in. And it could be a question. It could be just a hot take. It could be whatever you want it to be. And I'll play it as part of the part of an upcoming podcast episode and respond to it, whatever. So you could be part of the discussion. It'd be really cool. So take a look at that. Um, a lot of NBA talk today. I took Friday off. I might start doing that a little bit more frequently just to uh, make sure I don't fall behind in other work aspects that I have. But um, big NBA weekend. Uh, Thursday's podcast, I mentioned how uh, Anthony Davis was expected to play, but then it was looking like he wasn't going to. And there was like these contradicting reports. He did play. Kind of. He was he was on the court. He was in uniform. Um, he didn't do a whole lot. <laughs> didn't do a whole lot in the stat sheet, but uh, he did play. Didn't look good at all. Um, on the flip side, Kevin Durant came back after a three-game absence from his dead leg, as I like to call it, his thigh bruise, and the guy freaking dominated. I don't know if you guys saw Kevin Durant yesterday, the Nets and the Suns. That game was unbelievable. I watched the whole thing. Kevin Durant makes it look so easy. That guy is so talented. The things he can do with the basketball at his height and his length are truly remarkable. The dude's seven feet tall. He's got a wingspan that's like seven five or seven six, they say. And he can g- drive either direction. Nope. He's got handles of like a shooting guard. And he can shoot off one leg. He can shoot off his opposite leg. He can finish with both hands. He can shoot the deep three. He can shoot it off, of, off the dribble. He can come off screens. I mean, there's literally offensively, there's nothing he can't do. As I watched that game yesterday, I sat there and I thought, he's far and away the best offensive player in the NBA. I don't even think anyone else is close. Like, Kyrie is not close. James Harden is not close. And the funny part is, they're both on his team. And those are like some of the first names that come to mind as far as like offensive talent. Steph Curry, uh, obviously, is right there. And that's a former teammate of Kevin Durant. This guy's been surrounded by greatness his whole career. But the guy made it look so easy. He came off the bench. So I turned the game on super excited. I knew Kevin Durant was... I looked at the injury report. I saw Kevin Durant wasn't on it. And I was like, oh my gosh, he's going to play. I'm very excited to watch. So I sit down early, get ready to watch early. He doesn't play. He's on the bench. And I'm like, okay, he's in uniform, but he's not starting. That's interesting. We'll see. He had done this before though. And then the whole first quarter goes by. He doesn't play. Several minutes of the second quarter go by. He doesn't play. And I'm like, is he not playing? Like, is he just on the bench for fun? The dude comes in with like eight minutes to go in the second quarter, plays just 28 minutes and goes berserk. Ends up scoring 14 points in the fourth quarter, had 33 points for the game to go with four assists and six rebounds, only one turnover. He also had a block and two steals. The guy, and he was 12 of 21 from the field. He, there's nothing he can't do. There's nothing he can't do. When fully healthy, I think he's the best player in the world. 
When fully healthy, I think Kevin Durant is the best player in the world. The problem is he's rarely fully healthy. So you can't be the best player in the world if you're frequently hurt. If he was, if he had played at least 70% of his team's games this year, which if we go back to Thursday's podcast, I talked about how you, it, it, we're going to have to give Nikola Jokic the MVP, A, because he's playing out of his mind. He's almost averaging a triple-double. He's leading his team in nearly every category. His team's right in the thick of the, you know, the, the middle of the pack in the playoff hunt. Uh, in the Western Conference, they're around the four or five seed. They'll finish around the four or five seed, um, and they're doing it now without Jamal Murray. He's among the league leaders in points per game. He's the league leader in PER, so he deserves all of that. But a big part of what I said on Thursday is he's got to be MVP because all the guys that would be closest to him as far as competition goes, they're not playing enough. James Harden isn't playing enough. Uh, Joel Embiid hasn't played enough. Giannis is sitting out a bunch. Steph's team isn't quite good enough. Kevin Durant is not playing even close to enough. If Kevin Durant, LeBron has, is sitting out too much now with injury and Anthony Davis too much with injury. Like there's so many guys, you know, I don't even know if I, I may have already said Harden just barely, but James Harden has been sitting out too much. There's just so many guys that are right there uh, that could be MVP or at least, you know, we'll get some votes. But in my opinion, uh, not only is Jokic among the top three or four performers in the NBA this year, but he's playing the entire time. He's not skipping games. I would say Kawhi Leonard would probably be my second place vote for MVP right now because he's sitting out fewer games than he has in previous years and still performing at a very, very high level. But Kevin Durant, if Kevin Durant played a full season or even close to a full season, 70%, there's no question he'd be the MVP. The guy can do it all, and he makes it look so easy. Every time he got the ball, it was like, oh, they're going to score again. It kind of reminded me of the BYU days with Jimmer Fredette. <laughs> Obviously, I'm a big Jimmer fan. I, I was living in Provo, going to the BYU games. I was a fresh BYU grad at the time when Jimmer was playing. Um, so I wasn't attending BYU, but I had just graduated. And the guy was, it was so effortless to watch him play basketball. He could get any shot off at any time. Nobody could stop him. He could shoot it from any distance, and you felt full confidence it was going to go in. That's where Kevin Durant is at right now, and Steph Curry is as well. Um, but Kevin Durant yesterday, watching him, I was like, okay, I've been having all these doubts about the Brooklyn Nets and their continuity and their team chemistry. And this was against the Phoenix Suns. This wasn't against some crappy team. This was against the team with the second best record in the entire NBA, the Phoenix Suns, at full strength. And Kevin Durant came in and just made it look so easy. 12 of 21 shooting. And they were difficult, difficult shots. I'm talking like driving left, jump off your right foot, fading away, guy in your face, boom, off the glass, no problem. Floaters in the lane at seven feet tall. like, And it's impossible to block his shot. I mean, he's getting the ball. He's seven feet tall. He's long. So his release point is 10, 11, 12 feet. I don't even freaking know. I mean, his release point's probably probably around 10 feet at where he's releasing the ball. To defend that is impossible. And the quickness he has and the ball handling skills he has at his height is impossible to defend. Kevin Durant is truly the perfect offensive weapon because anybody who's tall enough to bother his shot isn't quick enough to keep up with him. And anybody who is quick enough to keep up with him isn't tall enough to bother his shot. There's no stopping the guy offensively. There's no stopping him. He is truly the perfect offensive weapon. Um, it, it was remarkable to watch him play. And instantly yesterday as I'm watching that game, I'm thinking, oh boy, I'm going to be the guy that's just flip-flopping back and forth on the nets. I've been very high on the nets. I've said from the beginning, if they're healthy, if they can get some team chemistry down, they're going to win the NBA Finals. I don't even think it'll be close. 
But then most recently, I'm like, oh man, Kevin Durant's never playing and James Harden's now hurt. And are they going to have the team chemistry they need? Can they really win it all if they don't play enough together? I don't think they can. And then yesterday, you watch Kevin Durant play again and you watch them play the, the Suns, a very good team, and handle them. In fact, they were losing until Durant came in. Durant comes in and it was just just blew him out of the waters. He was plus 11 in his 33 minutes or in his 28 minutes. 28 minutes, he was plus 11. That's what an impact Kevin Durant had yesterday. And so the one negative thing is remains just his durability. Every time he went down yesterday, diving for a loose ball or, you know, taking a, a foul in the lane, it was just like, <gasps> is he okay? You know, I can only imagine if you're the, the Nets owner or GM, you're like, uh, eh, don't fall, you know? Okay, we won. Get him out of the game. Get him out of the game. You're paying tens of millions of dollars for a guy to sit on the bench and just praying that he doesn't get hurt every time he gets touched. That's the downside with Kevin Durant. He's clearly not durable. Um, he, he was earlier in his career and he's had a, maybe a spell of bad luck, but age is a factor. He's 32. It's not like he's old, but he's also it's not like he's 22 anymore. Um, and so that's a big, big question mark around the Nets is whether or not Kevin Durant can be durable and available because if available, if healthy, I'm sorry, this guy's the best player in the league. He is. In fact, I don't even think it's very close. If fully healthy, Kevin Durant is the best player in the world and that is a fact. And he showed that yesterday. Um, speaking of very difficult to defend offensive weapons, Steph Curry had a game yesterday. He came back down to earth on Thursday, but then yesterday he went berserk I'm trying to pull up the box score now, but if you saw some of the highlights, he had one where the ball, the ball, the shot clock's winding down. The ball's knocked away from him into the backcourt. He has to run into the backcourt, grab the ball, come back in essentially to a double team, does a quick crossover to create a little bit of space. He's at least 10 feet behind the three-point line. He's barely beyond the logo of half court. Crossover, off the dribble, shot clock winding down, nothing but net. And any other player, and you're like, oh, that's such a lucky shot. Steph Curry hits it, and you're like, yeah, that's what he does. That's what he does. It, his ability to shoot is mind-boggling, like truly mind-boggling. I had some friends over yesterday, and we were talking about, um, you know, when Steph hit that like 105 in a row or 106 in a row that the Warriors put up on their social media. It was just him in the corner at practice, just drilling three after three after three. And, you know, and I was like, this is where people forget just how good professionals are. And Steph Curry is, of course, the best of the best of the best. But, you know, you'll hear a guy shoots 40%. You're like, oh, I can hit 40% of threes. Like, it's not that great. I can do that too. And it's like, yeah, in the gym by yourself with no defenders, no crowd, no nothing. And it's like a high school three, not an NBA three. Now when now you see what these guys do when there's no defenders. Steph Curry, with no defense, hit 105 in a row, Okay. Nobody can do that. No, I mean, I'm lucky if I can get to 10 in a row. It might take me three hours to get 10 threes in a row, right? And, but but Steph Curry yesterday just going off. Uh, he was 7 of 14 from three. He was like 11 of something a night or two before that. In fact, let me see if I can find that. But he's now at 83 threes for the month of April. NBA all-time record. Uh, James Harden had the record at 82 from the 2019 season with the Rockets. He did it in November of 2019. And Steph Curry surpasses him now, and he still has a couple games to go this month. So he'll he'll even break the record further. And the way the rate he's going, it wouldn't be a shock to see him get to a hundred. That's just seventeen more, and I think they've got two or three more games this month. So Steph Curry shooting at a rate we've never seen before. Uh, the distance and the degree of difficulty 
that's what makes it crazy. You watch, not only is he shooting a very high percentage, which is actually below his career average for th- from three, but he's doing it against double teams and triple teams, and he's doing it from like 30 and 35 and 40 feet from from the hoop. It's it's wild what Steph Curry is doing. So those are some quick takeaways um, from the weekend of basketball. The Nets are right back in the thick of things, and now it's just like, okay, can they get James Harden back? And I started thinking about the chemistry, and I mentioned this before, but Kyrie and James Harden have played a good number of games together now. Uh, Harden and Durant have played a good number of games together, including, of course, their time in OKC. Now you're getting more Kyrie and KD together. All three of them together, we've only seen seven games. I'm, I'm hoping we'll see, for their sake, I'm hoping we'll see at least a few more. It's looking like Harden's going to be gone for at least another week. Uh, LeBron James as well. So it looks like these guys are going to be coming back just before the playoffs. And so I don't really know. I do think if fully healthy, the Nets have got to be the favorites still. Um, I'm going to give other teams a chance just based off of the chemistry issues that I think could be a, you know become a factor when you can do a seven-game series against a real quality opponent like the 76ers or something. But the 76ers have lost like four straight. Without Ben Simmons, they're not looking good. So... But all of a sudden, I was just like, okay, the Nets are it again. They're, they're it. And the Lakers without LeBron are nothing. Isn't that wild? They're nothing. Like, they bring they bring uh, Anthony Davis back. They lose two in a row to the Mavericks. They're just not looking that good. Um, LeBron's going to be out at least another couple weeks, they're saying. It was like he, at least another three weeks, I think they said, like a week ago. So maybe at least two more, you'd think, on top of that, or th- that's remaining now. Um, yesterday, Andre Drummond did have a... Pretty nice triple-double, though. 14, 19, and... Uh, or sorry, he did not have a triple-double. I misread that. He had 14 points, 19 rebounds, and 3 assists. I thought 13 assists. I was like, that's pretty surprising. Uh, 3 assists. So, Caldwell Pope, Schroeder. You know, guys are playing well, but uh, Anthony Davis, in his first game back, was 2 of 10 for 4 points. 2 of 10 for 4 points. That was not, not a good game by Anthony Davis. That was his first game back. His second game back was against the same team, the Mavericks. It was yesterday, a little bit better, but still 5 of 19. So that's 7 of 29 combined in his two games back. Compare that to Kevin Durant and how well he played in his first game back. Um, Anthony Davis, 0 of 6 from 3, 17 points, was a minus 19 on the box score. This team needs LeBron James pretty badly. Um, And if you look at the standings now in the NBA, um, the... the, uh, Lakers are now at the fifth seed, but only a game and a half up on Dallas, who just beat them twice in a row. Those were key, key wins for the Dallas Mavericks in the sixth seed uh, with a game and a half lead over the Lakers. Uh, They've won three straight. Lakers have lost three straight. The Blazers have lost five straight. Damian Lillard not playing well. Uh, They're now at the seventh spot for that play-in game. And if the play-in game were to happen right now against the Warriors... I'm taking the Warriors in that game, even though the Blazers are clearly the better team because Damian Lillard and Steph Curry are not that far apart from each other. Steph Curry is the better player, but they do very similar things. Steph Curry just does all of them just a teeny bit better. But then you look at the supporting cast of Damian Lillard versus Steph Curry, and it's not even close. I mean, Damian Lillard's got, we've talked about this. He's got CJ McCollum, Yusuf Nurkic, Norman Powell, Carmelo Anthony. I mean, those are four solid, solid pieces around... Damian Lillard. And then on Steph Curry's side, you've got Draymond Green, Kelly Oubre, Andrew Wiggins, Kevon Looney. Those are probably the top four guys that Steph Curry's got helping him. 
And you compare those four supporting casts, it's like, it's not even close. The Blazers win that game. But they're playing so poorly, trending downward. Warriors are trending upward. So that'll be interesting to watch. Um, but the Jazz got a huge help from Kevin Durant and the Brooklyn Nets because they lost to the Timberwolves. And it looked like, oh, shoot, if the if the Suns can start to win, or, or if, if, excuse me, if the Suns can beat the Nets and keep winning, they might surpass Utah for that one seed because they own the tiebreaker, but they lose. That puts them two games behind Utah. But again, Utah has to stay a game up. They can't fall into a tie with Phoenix because Phoenix owns that tiebreaker. And the Jazz want to keep that one seed because right now the Lakers are slipping. You could very likely, without LeBron James, it is very, very likely we watch the Lakers slip down to that sixth seed. They're only a game and a half up right now. That could happen by the end of the week see the Lakers slip down to that sixth seed. And that's exactly where we want them is in that sixth seed. Because if they're in the four or five, that means they'd be our opponent for the, for round two of the playoffs. And we're assuming LeBron James is going to come back fully healthy. And we're assuming they're going to get through the first round, um, which is a very safe assumption. In fact, Anthony Davis, this, this is something, this is something we should really talk about. Anthony Davis went on the record. He was asked about, about the seeding by a reporter. And he literally said, we just can't fall out of the playoffs. We're very confident that if we're there, if we're in the playoffs, it really doesn't matter what seed we are. We feel like we can beat anybody. And the, the reality is he's right. They can. And so then it starts to, then it begs the question, how important is seeding? How much emphasis are we putting on the regular season? Uh, are we allowing load management to be too much of an issue? Are we allowing these injuries? And I don't know how you gauge if a guy's healthy. I don't know if we send in third-party independent physicians to go check out LeBron James and determine, hey, you know what? You're healthy. You have to play for the fans' sake, for the TV network's sake, because it is a business. Um, obviously, they're not going to do that. But And you think, again, you think these guys would want to play, and I'm sure they do, but it does feel like there's, quote, an abundance of caution being taken place all the time here with these guys. But it's it's the reality is the Lakers know we don't care for the freaking eight seed. We can beat the Jazz. And if fully healthy, I hate to admit it, but they, they can. They can beat the Jazz if fully healthy. And their chemistry is there. They already know how to play with each other. They won a championship last year, for crying out loud. So the 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 chemistry issues um, are not, an, not really a concern for the Lakers like they are for the Nets. But... But if they, if they just get in the playoffs, which they're going to, they could get by anybody. So the Jazz just want to avoid them. So the six is where we want them. So we'll see how that plays out. Um, Nuggets looked good. Michael Porter Jr. had a quick note here. I've predicted he's going to be a stud. I think he's an all-star in the making. The guy is balling out. Had another big game the other night. Jokic, uh, as I watched that game, I had a quick note here too to make. Uh, I'm pretty sure Jokic, like is the worst jumper in the history of the NBA. And so I started, I was asking a friend as we were watching, I was like, what do you think Jokic's vert is? Like, I think it's, and he guessed like 20 something inches. I was like, no freaking way. No, not a chance he can jump 20 something inches. So we Googled it and there's actually like reports out there that people think his vertical leap is like six inches. Six inches. That's not a joke. They think he can jump an NBA athlete who's probably going to win MVP this year can jump a few inches off the ground. Like the guy literally cannot jump. I just find that hilarious. I'm sorry. Um, okay, moving on. That's the NBA. So we'll keep an eye on that. Uh, I love we're coming down the home stretch. And I want to talk about something that'll kind of segue back to the NBA teeny bit. 
um, with regular season and the playoffs and the importance of it all and, and getting stars to play more and things like that while still giving them the time off their body bodies need to recover. Uh, the college football playoffs are looking at expanding from four teams to potentially six to potentially eight to potentially 16, right? And you can just keep going and going and going. Well, a couple thoughts on that. One, there are absolutely positively not 16 teams that have a right to fight for the college football national championship each season. I do think there are more than four. Four is certainly better than it was at two with the BCS just kind of like putting these two teams in. I've said from the beginning, I think it needs to be at least six where you give the top two a bye and then those four, you know, teams three through six. Um, yeah, so three versus six and the four versus five play each other. The winners of those then play the one and two top seeds that had a bye. And then the winners of that play for the national title. I think that would be pretty ideal. I could see you obviously going to eight and just doing a standard bracket of eight to a championship. After that, I just don't, I think it's, I think it's stupid. I think we'd already know what's going to happen. You'd know who the winners are. Um, I think you'd see blowouts. I think if you had one versus eight in a college football playoff, I think that game would frequently be a blowout. I think the number one team to the number eight team is usually a pretty large gap at the college level. So I think eight is too many, personally. Um, well, let me actually correct myself. I think that's the maximum at which I would put it. I think eight would be the maximum at which I would put it. If you get all the way to 16 teams, that's where it's kind of ridiculous uh, to have one versus 16 it would be it would be pretty ridiculous. I think that would be like a thirty point blowout, right? Uh, eight would be the max. I think six is probably a good good ideal. Um, but every time every time they expand it, there's just going to be that that next team. Even if you did sixteen, the seventeenth ranked team would be saying we should be there. We just, we belong in. So I had the thought of the college football does a great job um, at at one thing. Well, they do a great job at many things, but one thing they do a great job at is really putting a heavy emphasis on the importance of their regular season. Every game counts in college football. Every single game. Same with the NFL. They've now ex expanded their playoffs a little bit, um, and so there's a little, little bit less importance on the regular season, but still quite a bit. The NBA is the worst at this. Uh, the NBA is now putting in two-thirds of the league into the playoffs. Uh, you've got stars openly saying, we don't even care what seed we are. We know we can just plow through the playoffs if we get there. And so we'll just rest our MVP caliber star, LeBron James, until the playoffs come so that he's at full strength because we just want to win another title. So I started thinking, how can you, because it is a business. They need they need more games. They need more revenue. Like I get what they're doing. I don't blame them. I like it. It's entertaining. And I thought, what if we did, why are we so stuck on the idea? And this is just an idea. Why are we so stuck though on the idea of one season per year? If you look at how individual sports do it like golf and tennis there are four major tournaments each year you know spaced out a month or two months or three months apart with smaller less important tournaments you know mixed in in the middle but those four majors is just packed with all the superstars and they're there they're ready to go that's kind of like the playoffs right it's kind of like the version of the playoffs would be the masters the PGA Championship, the U.S. Open, the British Open, right? Or in tennis, it's Wimbledon, the French Open, the Australian Open, the U.S. Open. Those are like the tournaments if you're a tennis or a golf player. And so I thought, what if the NBA did this, something similar to this, where they just said, hey, you know what? We're going to have multiple titles throughout the season, throughout the year, I mean, multiple seasons. We're going to have two. They could, be, they could do two seasons, have each season be shorter 
I say, hey, it's going to be a 40-game season. We're going to have two 40-game seasons. We're going to have several months in the middle of the two. And we're going to have fewer teams make the playoffs. So now you've got fewer games and fewer teams making the playoffs. So it makes the regular season matter even more. I think you'd see ratings go up. Now, you, you this is this is the negative aspect of it. The value of a title would go down because now there's two of them per year instead of just one. But if it's still considered an NBA title, and you could make one of them like a lesser than type of title. It could be... You know, because I think many people consider the Masters to be like the tournament of tournaments when it comes to uh, golf. And I think many would say that Wimbledon is the tournament of tournaments when it comes to tennis. But so there's slightly higher value on winning a, a Wimbledon championship or a Masters championship ahead of maybe a U.S. Open for either of the sports championship. But the U.S. Open still brings in the best of the best of the best, right? And people are competing at a very, very high level. And it is a major you could do something similar in a team sport. I don't see why we're so stuck on, hey, this is basketball season, and once it's over, we just take the next five months off. What if you said, hey, you know what? Instead of playing for seven straight months, we're going to play for three, and then we're going to take three months off, and then we're going to play for three more, and there's going to be titles at the end of both of those. Three months on, three months off, three months on, three months off. Titles at the end of each three-month segment, so you just get two titles per year. And you could somehow do something where one of them was the bigger title, the more important title. You could somehow structure it or name it or prize money or whatever you want to do could make it the more important of the titles. But I think you'd see regular season ratings go way, way up because now, again, fewer games with fewer spots in the playoffs, which would mean each and every one of those fewer games was more valuable. Right now, you've got 82 games, 72 this year. But teams know, like LeBron's notorious for this. Ah, we can win 45 games. We can win 50 games. We'll be the four seed. It's not going to matter. We're going to make the playoffs. We know we can beat these guys. It's a seven-game series. Maybe you could even bring the, the series down from seven to five. But again, you're doing it twice. And so I think you'd see ratings go up. You're going to have plenty of games. You're going to have multiple times throughout the year that you can dominate. Just an idea. Just an idea. And it all came to me literally this morning as I was prepping for this podcast. And I was thinking about um, how soccer kind of does this. There's all sorts of soccer leagues and they kind of intermix the the variety of leagues and seasons together. Um, I don't really follow soccer super closely, so I don't understand exactly how it works, but I know they do it. And even the leagues play against each other sometimes, you know. So you could do something similar to that with the NBA. I, I think the NBA needs to do something because the ratings are dropping and the talent's at like an all-time high. So something's like not lining up quite right. There's this talk of, you know, the NBA is very political, which I wish they weren't. I wish we could just make sports entertainment. And I try and stick to sports on this podcast, but that could be it. But you've got talent at an all-time high level, but yet ratings are at an all-time low. Um, one argument could be the political argument. Another argument could be that a lot of the times the stars just sit out because they want to. We're seeing that right now. Like it's, the talent's at an all-time high, but like half the talent's injured, you know? And so maybe this could help with that too, cut down on injury. Just an idea. Okay, going to wrap up the podcast with this. Um, big trade happened in the NFL. We've got the NFL draft coming up, by the way, and it's this week. And um, But we had a big trade. Obviously, uh, Patrick Mahomes is like the star of stars in the NFL, and the Chiefs are doing everything to uh, keep him and keep him happy. They've given him the largest contract in NFL history. Now they're working to protect him at a better rate so that they can be Super Bowl champs again. They traded away four picks over the weekend uh, to the Baltimore Ravens in exchange for Orlando Brown, who is a star offensive lineman. And the guy's getting paid fat, was good enough to get you know four picks in exchange for him. He's that talented, right? 
And I started thinking and talking to a friend. I was like, isn't it wild? Like these guys, they literally determine the outcome of games way more than they get credit for, especially amongst the media and the fans. I mean, offensive linemen are so seldom talked about. We're talking about guys like Odell Beckham Jr. Way more than we're talking about a guy like Orlando Brown. Even though Orlando Brown has impact on the outcome of a game way more than Odell Beckham Jr. does, right? But for whatever reason, these guys that have the ball more, that are flashier, that are scoring touchdowns, they're just talked about more. But these offensive linemen who are getting paid stacks and stacks of cash because the teams know how important they are, they're giving up several draft picks in exchange to get them because the teams know how important they are. They're the guys that can go to the grocery store and walk around and not have a single soul say anything to them, not even recognize who they are. They just think, oh, that's like a big fat guy, maybe. You know, I don't know. But little do they know, the guy can run like a 4840, can bench press a small country, is like in mega good shape. He's just as big as a house because he has to be because his job is to not let people get around him to tackle the quarterback or sack the quarterback. So interesting thought I had there. Anyway, guys, that's the podcast for today. Thank you for being here. Please, as always, hit that subscribe button. I will see you manana. I am out. Peace. We got the same. Thanks for hanging with Simply the Best Sports Take. Don't forget to subscribe to this podcast and check out stbsportstake.com. Simply the best in sports.